If you're listening to this, there's a good chance you work within the real estate investing industry. There's another good chance that you would like to increase the sales of your products or services. Well, you're in the right place. United States Real Estate Investor is a platform you need to place your brand directly in front of your target audience. With our focused, growing audience of real estate investing beginners, enthusiasts, and seasoned professionals, you can continually reach our captivated viewers and listeners with ease. To learn more or to get started today, just visit UnitedStatesRealEstateInvestor.com slash advertising. That's UnitedStatesRealEstateInvestor.com slash advertising. Get ready to increase your brand awareness and your bottom line. Attract clients with content. Hey, welcome to This Month in Real Estate Investing, everybody. Uh, In this episode, we'll be covering a variety of news items, including average income earners don't make enough to qualify for the average home. Here's how much you need to make for a $500,000 mortgage. It's a long headline. For real estate investors, costs are rising due to this unexpected cost. And rising construction may ease housing price pressures, economist says. All this and more on this episode of This Month in Real Estate Investing. Let's start the show. Everybody, uh, I'm your host, James Brown, and I teach people how to make double digit returns through safe, secure, stress tested real estate investments. Go to hybridinvestor.vip to learn more. If you're watching live, feel free to comment and ask questions. Uh, our guests today are Nathan Turner, who is returning for a second episode with us uh, once he gets on. He's running a little late and new to the show. Sean Horner, is that how you say it? And Richard Roop. Yes, sir. Um, all right. In that order, I guess let's start with uh, Sean. Uh, introduce yourselves and share your background. What types of investing you guys focus on? Well, I consider myself a newbie still when it comes to real estate investing. Uh, I started uh, maybe five years ago, six years ago. I uh, started with the single family property uh, down in Florida and moved to uh, multifamily two years afterwards. Uh, about 18 months ago, I started dipping and dabbing in the storage facilities. Uh, and to this date, I have three facilities of total probably uh, at 250 doors uh, at all three facilities. Um, also have a couple other commercial property, the uh, small restaurant, uh, dance studio, um, uh, automotive shop, and a tire shop. So that's what I have so far in my portfolio. Great. Thanks, Richard. All right. Well, I've been, uh, I bought my first 
uh, investment property, so to speak, back in 1996, about over 500 houses uh, over the years as a creative real estate investor. I'm a marketing consultant turned real estate investor, and now I'm kind of known as the marketing consultant for real estate investors. Um, I use a creative approach. I don't rely on banks or mortgage brokers or real estate agents, or I don't even rely on my buyers to keep their promises or anything like that. So I've set it up so it's a little bit stress-free and it's very creative. Don't deal with banks or anything like that. It, it's an option. It's just I don't rely on it. Um, and so what I do now, uh, I get I, I help a lot of real estate investors generate leads and convert more of their leads into deals through uh, marketing campaigns, through marketing strategies. And today I'm really big on helping people apply artificial intelligence strategies and tools to uh, scale their business and do a lot, a lot, provide more value, do things better, do things faster and to make a lot more money. Fantastic. Right on. Cutting edge stuff. It is. <laughs> it is. Exciting. Right on. Well, hey, let's jump into the news. So first one up from Benzinga, 10 states with the highest rent increases. And I'll, I'll read them off um, starting at the top. Florida, Colorado, where I live, Montana, Idaho, Tennessee, Georgia, Arizona, New Hampshire, Utah, and New Mexico. Um, and yeah, just a little note here, Florida and Colorado have experienced rent increases of over 45% since 2020. So, uh, well, well, just the ones you mentioned are between 36 and 45. That's a huge increase between 36% and 45%. Yeah. Um, Sean, are you in Florida or did you, are you somewhere else? So I, uh, I'm in Georgia and I'm Georgia. in Southwest Georgia, a town called Albany. Um, but speaking of Florida, I just left Florida this past weekend on vacation. But my very first property, which was a single family home, was actually in Florida. And it was amazing how I was able to <laughs> just, you know, put some lipstick on that property and jack that rent up, you know, and, um, and, and it's true now it's just it's just a landlord's haven you know go in there and basically charge what you want to charge so. yeah uh, yeah Richard, where, where do you live i'm in texas so and one of the reasons i came to texas and uh is because of the uh the real estate opportunities and the taxes and stuff like that so and i'm in a small small rural area, which is, I recommend, uh, that's a, a good place to own long-term is in the go more, further and further out because all of these, uh, cities that you, you mentioned are metro areas. And I think there's, uh, it's worse. It's kind of bubblish right now. You know, those, those rents are really high. I think there's going to be continued demand for rentals. Uh, so it's good to have rental properties. I don't think it, we're going to sustain that growth in rents uh, because of the changes in, in the economy as, as that we expect. Yeah, yeah. I think people's incomes are going to go down. Yeah. I, that, that's that's <laughs> my I don't I don't have a crystal ball. It's just that I've been through several cycles, you know, 
and I've been doing this for a couple of decades. And the writing on the wall is people are going to have more and more trouble um, meet, uh, creating creating that financial stability if they're just the normal, you know, they have a job. And uh, if you're an entrepreneur, you can pivot. You can you can do a lot of things. And I think a lot of people should have a side hustle or start a business or something like that. Uh, but the economy, I don't it it doesn't look bright. But for real estate, there's always going to be that demand. Yeah, people need places to live. Yeah, that's, that's true. Especially that's great when we're talking residential, right? So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, a comment uh, was: Will AI uh, make incomes decrease? What do, What do you think? Yes, absolutely. Um, a lot of people's, uh, I would say, over the next one to three years, a lot of jobs are just going to go away uh, because just it can be automated. It can be done through artificial intelligence. And I think people should understand that and find out, you know, what they can do. Uh, like if you're a business owner and you have employees, well, a lot of those employees you're not going to need anymore. In fact, that's that's the case today, depending on what they, they do, if it's very repetitive and things that can be systemized. So if you're employed, you want to look at how you can provide that human element to your job and be valuable. And, and then use AI to be become more valuable. So it's I think it's the people that don't because everybody's going to be using AI. So you might as well start learning how to use it now and use it in your job, not only to keep your job, but to get a raise. And then, of yeah. course, you're if you're a business owner, you got huge opportunities, huge. So there's a, there's going to be this divide. And so, you yeah, you want to stay. You don't want to fall asleep. You want to. And it's fun stuff. I mean, it's you can use it in your business, in your job, and as well for personal. I I, I planned a uh, trip uh, that I'm going on in September with my family. It's a road trip, and I I planned it all out very simply. I just told Chat GTP, I said, "Here's what I want to do," and it laid out my entire schedule. Told me how many how what the mileage was, how much I'd spend on gas, how many hotel rooms I needed, and then when I changed the dates, it just instantly changed my agenda. When I when I said I changed my date, so wow. a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of uses. There's it's almost unlimited as far as the use case goes. Yeah, it's like what what, what can we come up with, right? It's whatever you can imagine. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I recently did a program called How to Do Anything Anywhere All at Once using AI, and it basically you can do anything. So it's it's all a matter of your goals, your intention, and what you want to improve, change, or have. Yeah, I, I know I've used it for descriptions for listing properties. You know, I had to go in and tweak it, but it yeah. kind of did the heavy lifting and smoothed it out, made it a little more appealing where I've always struggled with making it sound cool because you kind of just taking a bulleted list of all the features and benefits. And it's just like it just it, it really helps. Yeah. It'll do 80% of it for you, right? Yeah, Knock yeah. that out in a, in a few seconds, and then you just spend the other 20% making it your how you want it. Yep, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah, amazing stuff. I guess I better get on the, the bandwagon now because I have not been doing this, Richard. <laughs> go, go to open go to openai.com and set up a chat GTP account, and it's free, and just play with it. And, and there's... Uh, you can just ask it anything. So whenever I'm racking my brain about how, you know, anything, 
I can go just go in there and say, I'm racking my brain about this. What do you need to know to help me? It'll ask me some questions. I answer those questions. It'll give me phenomenal output. Or you just ask, or you just ask it anything, anything that I do that before I go to Google sometimes. That's pretty amazing. I get a lot of like I'm on Instagram and I get a lot of uh, feeds where it explains different things you can do with it. And one thing I just did the, the other day was set it up. So on my iPhone, I say, hey, Siri, start chat and I can just access it. Oops, it's starting to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it works. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. It can be way more powerful than just saying, hey, Siri, you know, look up something on the Internet. Oh, there it goes again. Um, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's really, it's like you have to have some type of outcome, right? You, I want to figure something out or I want to create something, right? And then you go in there and then just, uh, again, it, 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 you learn how to ask the right questions and, what I call super prompts, where you ask of it so well that you don't have to ask so many questions. But a lot of times you just ask a simple question and you just drill down until you get your answer. It's, it's just like having a kind of an expert at your disposal that has access to everything almost, right? So it's, it's the sky's the limit. Yep. Uh, another note in this article um, said the national average rent reached 2018 in March reflecting a 26.47% increase since 2020. Uh, that surprises me that, I mean, for Denver, that's not much, but you know, there's a lot of markets that are much lower than that. So I was surprised that average was right at that 2000 mark. Yeah. That's a low average compared to the, what's, you know, what you see in the big cities. Yeah. 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 Any other comments on this? We should probably get going. So we've got more yeah. news. Good. Uh, no. um, all right. So the next one from Benzinga, Ethereum Towers announces final mint of luxury metaverse apartments. Uh, I was just trying to get my head around what are they even talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I won't see James. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not alone. <laughs> all right. So what they're talking about is, is virtual assets, NFTs. And these are things that you can own online virtually and it's on the blockchain. And apparently people are, whenever they say mint, that's how they create NFTs. They mint them and then you can own them. You can sell them, you can swap them, and then you can use them in what's called the metaverse, right? The metaverse <laughs> is, is your online virtual uh, reality place where you do stuff. Now I'm, I'm not into that, but that's basically what they're talking about. Yeah. That's what I got out of it. Like, I still don't get it. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I feel, that's making me feel old. <laughs> I'm like, what are they even talking about? Anyway. Um, yeah, I was saying, uh, they've got three types of apartments, standard luxury and penthouse. You can display your NFT artwork in your apartment, uh, and even host virtual events with musicians and stuff. So, uh, Very okay. <laughs> I don't know, maybe a gamer type people, you know, get into that. Right. But I don't, I don't know if, if you're paying for that. I don't understand that either. Uh, that's yeah. You actually, yeah. When they mint stuff, you're typically paying for it because the, uh, it, 
it's i don't think it's yeah just i think you should just buy uh actual real real estate <laughs> but it's 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 something that um people do i got someone at the door i'll be right back all right <laughs> when he says real real estate it's like yeah it's called real estate for a reason right <laughs> right <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't get it. You, define real real estate <laughs> uh, you know that, that reminds me i got a buddy he got into this business where they had like these uh, it's a virtual world kind of thing where you could you could buy these tokens and jewelry and stuff and you know real money paying for these but virtual jewelry and stuff and and gift them so like guys would gift you know a ring or a necklace or something to a girl or something i, I was like really and he's guy made i think he's a millionaire I'm like are you serious <laughs> but so this makes me go maybe there's something to this yeah uh, you know what it's it's I'm not an expert at it, but it's it's already kind of seen its heyday, and the people that are mostly involved in it now are, you know, it's it's gone like a different direction. But, you know, but I'm not really into it, and I'm not an expert at it. I just decided I didn't want to get involved in it. Yeah. Well, hey, let's jump into the next one. Another from Benzinga. Average income earners don't make enough to qualify for the average home. Here's how much you need to make for a $500,000 mortgage. Um, let's see. They talk about the 2836 rule, suggesting that housing costs should not exceed 28% of monthly income. I know lenders look at that. Uh, and total housing costs should, plus debt payments should not exceed 36% of income. So uh, any comments on that? Well, a $500,000 mortgage, you have to have pre-tax income of $110,000. Yep. Uh, I, <laughs> I think you're going to see uh, some trouble with them. Well, we've already seen people are having more challenges getting their mortgages. Um, that's why I think it's uh, uh, good to be in uh, maybe uh, – there's a lot of people like the what what we've seen with a uh, property appreciation over time is the baby boomers and they're being more conservative and they're they're downsizing and so that's going to have one impact on prices uh the low uh availability is pushing up rents and pushing up prices right uh, but yeah people have to be able to afford so i think actually some people will have to rent um and not buy just because it's going to be hard it, the, the requirements to get a mortgage are getting tougher for some people and look at the income requirements. Of course, that's a half a million dollar loan, right? Yeah. Uh, Which is below average for Denver. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, in that, in 2008, um, I don't know, I probably had 50. Well, I don't know how many properties I had at the time. Uh, well, I had about, I had about 60 properties. Uh, but we saw the, the mar mortgage uh, market change in 2008 with the financial crisis, 2008 financial crisis and the housing bubble and prices in the sand states uh, went down like 50%. Now, that's fine if you're just going to buy and hold and keep forever, right? Um, but if you have to sell in the next couple of years and the price goes down, then you get you get hurt. Um, I, I see 
I don't know when, but at some point, I think this is we're kind of in that bubblish phase, and at some point it has to adjust, and I just don't know when. But I wouldn't re I never like to rely on appreciation, so I like to rely on uh, income. So if you buy a property, yeah, can you afford it, and you want to keep it long term? If you're going to rent it out, you want to, um, uh, you know, you want to have at least a break even. But I wouldn't rely on the property going up. I would rely on the money you can make keeping it from the tax benefits and the positive cash flow and those mm -hmm. type of benefits. The, I, I look at appreciation as a bonus. Right. And the longer you hold, the more you can weather any type of changes because we always see changes in the market. Yeah. Just got to be able to hang on to it. Richard, what, uh, what states or markets have you mainly invested in over the years and has that changed over the years? Most of the properties I bought were in Colorado. But I've also I have partners, joint joint venture partners that where we buy properties nationwide. Mm -hmm. So I'm familiar with I'm familiar with housing markets nationwide. My preference is is to get out of the metro areas and go on what I call the sprawl. So maybe be 20 or 30 minutes from the metro area if you can, where you can have more for your money, more natural beauty, less crime. And that I think people's values, that's what they want, but it's also more affordable. And the further you go out, the more affordable it is. I'm in the middle, right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm not currently buying properties. I'm helping other investors. But yeah, I actually had a lawsuit back in 2014 where the government took 56 of my properties Ooh. For, no, for no good reason. Oh, that's a stinger. Wow. Yeah, that was a stinger. And it took me a couple of years to like, work work my mind around that and get over it uh but yeah it was just one of those things that it, nobody can ex can explain it uh so asset protection is a good idea <laughs> you know that <laughs> so yeah. um but i most of my properties were in colorado i moved to texas i have just a very um you know so i have a free and clear property a couple of acres and i'm in the middle of nowhere because i work virtually I can work from home and I travel a lot. And so that's for my lifestyle. Some people like to have the convenience of, 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 you know, being in a, a large town yeah. and that's fine. Um, but I, I think, I think um, if I was to want a multi and I do, if I, I'd like to have a multi-million dollar uh, property on the beach here in Texas, but I would probably lease it with the option to buy versus owning it right now, because the, the higher the property range, the more it'll get hit if things change. And since I'm not, I don't think things are going to continue to go up in the high price range, I, but I want to own that or I want to use that property, then I might just lease it and give up the ownership benefits, but also maybe rent it for less than a mortgage, right? We talked about the price of mortgages going up, you know, or, you know, what you have to make in order to pay a certain mortgage. Sometimes you can lease a high-end property for a lot less than it would cost to own it. Right. From a, a seller that's got a, enough equity, they can can do that, right? Uh, yeah. And a lot of those, and sometimes those high-end properties are free and clear. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's my focus is, is lease options. And so our challenge is finding ones that we can buy with the high interest rates that still cash flow. So that's where like going to, you know, what you've been doing, Richard, all your, your career, finding those, 
off-market deals, creative financing, not relying on those 7.625 rates for investors, which we got right oh, now. I've never, I've never used my own credit to buy a property. I, now, I, I, I actually refinanced three of my properties using my credit, but I wouldn't do that again either. Because if you get really good at um, getting really, really clear on how you help a seller uh, sell their property and the value that you can provide them, then you target those perfect uh, properties. For example, the rates right now, if you can take over a three or 4% mortgage, then that's better than take, taking over something higher or, or uh, getting a loan at that rate. So you can take over people that need to sell. People always need to sell. You just got to find the right people, right? Mm -hmm. And with a good campaign, you just have this constant lead of people calling you saying, you know, I'm, I'm looking to sell now, you know, what can you do for me? Because my option is I can uh, buy the house or you can go ahead and list it or or sell it for sale by owner or keep it, right? But if you want to sell it quick and easy, if they have a lot of equity, if they have a really good loan with a good rate or if they have a lot of equity, I can play with their equity and make it cash flow and, still, and, and the benefit I get from that lower interest rate, I like going after free and clear where they can be the bank and I can just offer them the applicable federal rate, which is the government rate, which is the minimum interest that uh, the government wants someone to charge on a mortgage. It's like 1.8%. So I said, uh, so I offer them 1.8% mortgage, and that's the government rate. And when I do that, I'm more of my pay payment is paying down principal, so I can pay a higher price for to the seller. So the sellers, have you ever talked to a seller uh, that was stuck on price? <laughs> Every one of them. <laughs> well, this is so I can always pay whatever the seller's price they want. I can pay it. The only question is when, because the longer, the more money that I put out into the future, pay it over time or lump sum down the road, then the more I can pay because I can calculate the benefit, the time value of money. So as long as it cash flows, mm. right, with with all my expenses at least break even right because i'm getting at least getting the principal pay down and any bonus appreciation right as long as it cash flows putting someone in there uh yeah i can um i can pay more of the market value so i put that in when i send postcards to people i say look uh, i can pay you more than any buyer uh i give you all these benefits plus i can pay more than any other buyer because i have a long-term buy and hold approach and that just and then when they call then you have to find out if it's going to work work out or not but it, yeah. my 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 intention is to get the most number of people who want to sell calling me not i like uh, inbound leads are about 800 percent better than outbound you know trying to find deals having yeah. doing marketing to get it coming to you is is always the way to go for me yeah hey let's jump into our next news from curb strategy richard i've done the same yeah go for it chuck all right. Uh, no, I was telling Richard I like his strategy. I... Yeah. yeah, it's oh. it's the it's it's called the ultimate strategy. By the way, <laughs> it, because you I, you could you could it works all the time on any property in any economy. Uh, you know, so it's like the ultimate. Yeah, base. I gave you the overview, but yeah, uh, I've I've learned how to do it over the years. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Let's uh, keep things going here from Curbed. 
office apocalypse, new glut city. The city's mega office landlords are panicking, pivoting, and shedding what's worthless. And they're talking about uh, Scott Rechler, uh, the chairman and CEO of RXR Realty. Uh, He uh, bought a bunch of office buildings during the last recession. Uh, It sounded like he had sold some business and went crazy buying, and he might be over his head. Uh, Did you guys read that or have any comments on it? No, I didn't. Uh, uh, Commercial. I have a a buddy here in Arizona who's buying a – uh, developing a commercial property. And uh, I haven't asked him yet, but it's like, why are you doing that now? Because again, um, commercial pro- real estate has already gotten hit with the changes over the past year or so. And it, it's, it's every, yeah. Uh, it, it's again, long-term with the right financing and it is great as long as it cash flows and stuff. But I would, I'd be careful about, um, you know, there's certain segments of commercial property like storage units and stuff like that that are are great that I think are would be good. But retail space and some other stuff that if you just think if we had another lockdown or something like that, who's going to get hurt? You know, remember the movie theaters, the retail and all that. Those are the type of properties I wouldn't want to go out and buy or own. Um, so I'd be careful in the commercial space because I think it's going to continue to get uh, hit. Yeah. Yeah. This comes up every month on the show, like, uh, especially office space, right? Because it was like rats bailing out of a ship, you know, sinking ship. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a tough space to be in. But like you said, you know, self-storage well, I, and other things are fine. I drive I drive around and I, get, I drive through different towns and I drive through towns where they have all these like big box stores and all these retail centers and stuff and they're half empty, you yeah. know? And uh, that, and then, and so it's very market specific. Um, but again, if you're in a, a very dense area, high metro area, then the 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 prices might have been pushed up, might be bubblish. But it's it's really based on demand. Uh, the, what what affects uh, commercial is a lot of commercial real estate investors. They are getting loans, so their rates have gone up, right? And that changes all the numbers because it's all about cash flow on commercial it's all about cash flow and that's that's the value of a commercial property is what it what the cash flow will provide yep. yeah one question now uh, we had from uh viewers is commercial real estate dead and flex space on the rise i know uh, there's a lot of people getting creative um creating flex I think- space Flex space, I like the idea. I'd have to research, you know, the demand for it because a lot of people can actually work from home. Like I'm, I'm, I'm recording a, um, a program here. I was in a studio and the guys that were in the studio, they were going to go home and work on the uh, editing and all that. They didn't need to be in the studio for that. Uh, we, we needed a studio because it was, we need a studio. So that's a physical thing, but a lot of, a lot of work, can be done from home. I think that's going to continue to grow, especially with AI. Uh, but yeah, if you have a team and you'd like to meet with your team, instead of having your own uh, office, you have this flex space, especially if you don't need it all the time. So I like the idea of flex space. I'd have to do, I don't know what the future is for it or the demand for it is, but I like the idea of it. 
And as far as creative real estate, it's always to me, uh, you never, there's a lot of people invest in real estate different ways. If you have, if you're a one trick pony, then you're leaving a lot of potential deals on the table that you couldn't convert because you weren't flexible enough. You didn't have other options. So to me, a creative real estate investor ha is a transaction engineer so they can look at the situation and have multiple ways. I can, I can lease option it, right? I can do owner financing. I can take over someone's existing loan or I can flip it. I can fix and flip it. I can buy and hold it. So if you have all these different exits, then if, and if your focus is on helping the seller or helping your buyer or ho helping your private investor or your, your other investor or your lender, if you focus on providing value and you know what you can do, uh, yeah, to me, that is being creative, uh, having all those options. So yeah, that's always the way to go, especially yeah, in up markets and down markets. It's how, if you think if up markets, there's a lot of benefits to that. Down markets, if you're in the job of helping people solve problems in a down market, more and more people like we're through in, when we go through these articles, more and more people are having different types of problems. If you're in the business of helping them, providing solutions, then then yeah, you're always going to be in demand, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I, I creative real estate is the way to go. I'm, I've never been a traditional, you know, uh, landlord, you know, put 20% down, borrow some money and own a property to be a landlord. And I don't like being a landlord. I always put a buyer, someone who's going to buy the house from me later in the house, mm -hmm. give them one, two, five years, whatever. I don't care. I want to hold the house, but I don't want a tenant. Yep. I want a buy, buyer mentality in the house. And if they buy it, great. And if they don't, great. It doesn't matter. So I like being in that position. Like I told you earlier, I don't re like relying on anybody to keep any agreements. <laughs> you know, sleep better at night. Yep. That's why we do lease options. And yeah. we're helping families get into homes that we're getting told by no by the banks, right? So I love that. 60% of the people that want to buy houses can't, you yep. know, and you're, you're serving that market. Yep. All right, let's uh, take a break and learn from one of our sponsors. Hey, it's me, Antonio Holman, founder of United States Real Estate Investor and producer of This Month in Real Estate Investing. Are you ready to ignite your financial freedom with what has been called the hottest REI strategy around? Or should I say strategies? Enter Jason Pallister's two-day investment blueprint where you will learn the secrets that the real estate investing community doesn't know because they never had a reason to before. With Jason's two-day investment blueprint, you will learn how to tackle real estate deals with over 40 different strategies, which means your chances of losing another deal nearly disappears completely. In Jason's two-day life transformation intensive, you will learn how to generate more deals, close deals faster, win more deals over other investors, multiply your real estate deal strategies, and much more. Jason's two-day investment blueprint can help you grow your REI business to six and seven figures faster with much less aggravation. If you want to learn how to invest in any market in the United States, even the tough markets, and close multiple deals per month, visit twodayblueprint.com. That's the number two, dayblueprint.com. And make sure you tell them you heard it here on This Month in Real Estate Investing. Don't believe the no more good deals hype and visit twodayblueprint.com today. Now back to James with This Month in Real Estate Investing. 
right, let's get back to the news uh, from Fortune. Commercial real estate billionaire Barry Sternlich's firm just defaulted on a $212.5 million Atlanta office tower. Um, I'm saying that a lot of these vacancies are caused by remote work, as we all kind of know. So the delinquency rate for offices is super high. It actually surged 4.5% in June from 1.7% the previous year. So. Yeah, in, in fact, that, that question that we had was CRE dead and is flex space on the rise? Actually, I think they meant CRE as commercial real estate. Yeah. So it's commercial real estate dead. And uh, yeah, I again, this is, uh, we. you just read in the article, you know, the changes in the demand for that type of space caused him to default on that commercial property, you know. And yeah, we're going to continue to see that office buildings. Yeah. An office tower in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we're getting this, the same thing every, every month. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> like, like I said before, you know, there's opportunity, but when do you jump in? Right. I think that's the big question for, for people that are looking well, for those opportunities. There's always yeah, right. opportunities. There's always, always opportunities. yeah. Yeah. All Questions. right. We have Nathan Turner back. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. So uh, let's see. We let's just jump into the next article um, from Yahoo Finance. For real estate investors, costs are rising due to this unexpected cost. Um, Insurance, it's uh, that's a big one. I, I think everybody's feeling it no matter where they are, right? Like Florida, obviously, you get hurricanes and shifting climate causing problems there. Um, but it's not just Florida. Well, what are you guys seeing as far as insurance for, for your businesses? Well, I have some software that calculates the net cash flow on any property and, and you take into account your 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 insurance, your taxes, your homeowners association dues, and then if you got utilities if you're paying your utilities. So inflation affects all of those. So I have a you know adjustment to adjust for inflation and that's what it affects. That's what inflates. So yeah, insurance uh, I don't think we're done with inflation. And so we've already seen inflation, right? We're seeing inflation. So that's that's increasing the cost. One cost for real estate investors would be insurance. And I, I, yeah, I, I, I would imagine. I'm not surprised that <laughs> they have a report on that. Yeah, yeah I was saying uh, Origin Investments. They're a multifamily investor. Experienced a surge, twenty six percent year over year. That's that's, that's a lot. I, I don't I think some people are asleep on this inflation thing. I mean, because if you I mean, like if you have contractors uh, managing your properties, if they're not raising their rates already because they, they kind of fall asleep on that, they're going to they're going to have to uh, to stay in business because their costs are going up, their insurance and their their supplies. Right. And then labor. Um, 
I, I don't know what's going on with the labor, you know, if people's uh, incomes are going up because of inflation. I, I, that's why I see people getting in trouble is in their costs go up, but their incomes are not going up if they're on a salary, you know, uh, but unless they're in the right type of industry and business. Another thing it pointed out in the article is uh, property owners, which I'm assuming they're talking homeowners, uh, saw a 17% increase. So not quite as bad as those multifamily guys, but still significant. In one year, 17%. Yeah. What happens next year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, we'll see. Uh, let's see. Looking at some notes here. Any other comments, guys? So I'm in the I'm in the note space, uh, and uh, even with this, so we get rather than insure. Well, I insure the house with the forced place insurance. So for me, it's always kind of a backup plan uh, in case the person living in the home is not making their payments. Then uh, I've always got this backup uh, forced place insurance as the mortgage holder. Uh, and same with that, we're still seeing rates going up and, and we're getting articles from the insurer uh, showing us why these rates are going up. So they're, they're helping prepare us and to justify some of the rates that we keep seeing on our bill every month. Yeah. Well, another thing they pointed out, it said uh, property owners are advised to negotiate rates in advance, uh, consider different liability models and invest in infrastructure that mitigates risk. That's good points. I know like where I live, we're required to have, they're like a concrete, real thick kind of tile looking um, roof um, because of fire danger. We're surrounded by trees, right? So that's a requirement. Even if it wasn't a requirement, it would make sense to put something in. Uh, and we also have terrible hail, like <laughs> hail capital of the world. So hail and fire are, are big well, issues, I, right? I had a, the last property I bought, uh, got a really good deal on it because the, the other buyers couldn't get a loan on the property because the, uh, there was hail damage on the roof. Mm -hmm. And so the roof was fine, but they couldn't get a loan on it. So I was able to pay all cash and get a, get a good deal on it. And I still haven't replaced the roof after three years, <laughs> you know, so, um, uh, so yeah, insurance is going to, if you can, and if there's, yeah, if there's some things you can do to a property that will reduce your insurance rates that you'll have to take a look at the, what it costs you to like in, install a fire system, right. To reduce your insurance rates. And what, how are you going to get that return on investment over time? Um, I, I just recently self-insured, decided to go self-insure on health insurance because of the costs and, and, and stuff like that. I don't know. I, it's hard to self-insure. I think you do need to have insurance on real estate. Um, uh, Wait, you, you're saying you don't have a health insurance plan? You're just. Um, well, my wife, is she, I have it. I'm on her plan and she wants to retire. And the only reason why she hasn't retired yet is because of the health insurance. So we looked into uh, how much it would have cost us and how much we would gain. And it, we have to have like $50,000 worth of medical bills in order to pay for the health insurance to make, have it make any sense. So I, I actually use chat GTP. 
I, I, to figure that out. And I figured out that it, it would almost be better to have good asset protection because what's the, if you don't have health insurance and you, and you need treatment, uh, you know how people go uh, like have a medical bankruptcy because yeah. of cat catastrophic things. Mm -hmm. So I usually like to have that catastrophic coverage, right? Yeah. But if I didn't, what's the worst case? The worst case is that uh, I have these big bills and they sue me and they they want to collect on that. Well, if they if there's if I have good asset protection, there's nothing to collect. Then the worst case scenario is I'm not going to lose everything I own because of a health issue, right? So that was just a personal decision that we made. And so what we're doing, the money that we put into health insurance, we put into a health savings plan. So we have that money. It's just not going to the insurance company and we're not covered for that catastrophic. Yeah, going back to the property insurance there, I would recommend people to go and talk to your insurance company because uh, as I found out the hard way in the past, it's, it is possible to underinsure uh, where you you think you've got it covered and then with the deductible and um i forget what they call it but there was another clause in there where you can you won't have as much coverage as maybe you think you do so it's worth having a, a conversation with the uh, insurance people just to make sure that you've got that figured out properly and so you're covered for as much as you think you are nathan do you, do you nathan do you think you can actually ne negotiate with insurance agents on premiums <laughs> and stuff uh it possibly, it depends on your volume. It depends on your relationship, but ultimately not a lot. Yeah. Um, not a lot, but volume certainly helps if you've got volume. Gotcha. Hey, let's jump into the next news article from Finance Magnets, uh, the emergence of tokenization from real estate to intellectual property. Uh, anybody happen to read that? I uh, saw that, I thought it was kind of funny. I, last time I checked, people tend to like to live in real houses. <laughs> so I'm, I'm fascinated by this movement of people buying property and all kinds of things online for a virtual world. I personally am oh. far too practical for that kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. That's like on the, that other article about Ethereum. Oh, is that a different? Uh, this, one? This, this is talking about tokenization. So. Oh, um, oh okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, which is also super interesting because you know, it, in my notes here, you know, it offers fractional ownership, which is. Oh yes, a way yes, yes. For that. you know people that don't have a huge down payment on a property, they can get into fractional ownership. Um, and we've talked about that on the show. There's quite a few different companies that offer that different yeah. asset classes and stuff. So, go ahead. so I'm curious, maybe somebody here knows what's the difference between doing that and being part of like a fund where you you're buying a certain number of shares. It's, it's, similar. A, it's, it's a type of crowdfunding. Um, yeah. I, it, to me, it sounds like a security. Me too. It, uh, and they're, and they're acting like it's not. And I think eventually, someone's going to decide you know what this is a security you can't do this anymore or or whatever and uh so I, I i heard about that i looked into it a little bit but yeah it was like there's other ways to fund deals without going through the tokenization what's the benefit of the tokens tokenization so i didn't see the benefit yeah might as well just do yeah. a fund you know yeah 
traditional. Yeah. Well, product. you're adding tech in here too, right? You're using blockchain technology to make all the the advantages of, of blockchain too. So, um, and there might be some good advantages. I'm just not aware of them. Yeah. Well, like increased with liquidity, um, enhanced transparency by leveraging blockchain. Um, yeah. And allowing smaller investors. Cause like, you know, you do a fund, you do a apartment syndication, right? 20 grand minimum, maybe 50, you know, for, um, for minimums, but you know, a college student could get in on, on some of these other deals hundred bucks or something, you know? Yeah. It seems like a little bit of a loophole right now for security yeah. purposes. Oh, there. I think it's going to get shut down here sooner than later. We'll yeah. See. It's going to be, have, have to still be run by legitimate established operators that are following all the rules. Right. Yeah. Still be using blockchain and the token. They're going through those rules right now with Coinbase. It's like, what are the rules? Coinbase is saying we're following the rules. And uh, they're saying for these different tokens and di different coins, it's like, we're following the rules. And the SEC saying, no, you're not. It, so I, when I told you about my losing my portfolio, James, yeah. the, the division of securities in Colorado was saying all my private lenders were uh, securities and they were secured by real estate. And it says right in there, exempt from uh, registration and licensing if it's secured by real estate. Hmm. And but I was following the rules, but I lost the case. I don't know how, but <laughs> so now they're going in like with Coinbase, they're saying these, these DeFi tokens that you're selling are securities. And they're saying, no, they're not. We're following the rules. So now it's a matter of it's up to the judge. It can sometimes, and it, because the, the SEC does, is not going to tell you what to do. They're just going to, they're not gonna, and that's what Coinbase has, has uh, found out is they're trying to get answers from the SEC. I says, if we're doing something wrong, tell me what I'm doing wrong. And that's not how they operate. So it, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Let's see. Are any of you guys, uh, do you guys have cryptocurrency? And have you um, run across anybody wanting to buy with crypto from you? Nope. I don't, there's not a demand for it yet. And it's almost a hassle to pay for real estate with crypto. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, I started buying and selling crypto in like 2013 when it was $75. I was doing that on eBay until eBay said, you can't do that using PayPal. They PayPal didn't want you to, to do transactions with crypto. And guess what PayPal's doing today? They're selling, they're selling crypto, <laughs> but that was, um, I think Bitcoin, well, I think we're going into that digit, you know, central bank digital currency. That's, they're really pushing that. That's not a good thing. That's like Bitcoin is great, but I, I don't think there's that huge opportunity that it used to have. Uh, there's uses for it, but the government is saying we want our own Bitcoin, but we're still going to be able to print as much money as we want with our digital currency. And uh, have you heard about the central bank digital currency, James? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not a good thing. And they're pushing. I can't believe they're actually going to they're making progress on that. But yeah, we'll see. it's something I, I can't. Control. 
Yeah, I don't know much about it. I do have a buddy that's kind of in the financial world that was raising a red flag the other day about it. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, but like it, you said, it's not a. Uh, how do we control it? How's it going to affect us? There's a lot of questions, right? Yeah, unless it's part of your mission in life to stop it, what can you do? <laughs> you educate yourself when it comes around, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. All right. Uh, let's jump into the next one. CNBC. Goldman Sachs misses on profit after hits from Green Sky Real Estate. Um, I guess they um, attributed lower profit to write downs, which I had to look up associated with commercial real estate and the sale of its Green Sky lending unit. I don't know much about that. Anybody else? I don't know much about this specific deal, but but in the note world, this is kind of a big deal where, especially for office space, especially for that kind of commercial uh, product, we're seeing a lot of um, notes coming up for sale because uh, people are defaulting. And defaulted, I mean, we've been through that. I started in 2008 when everything was defaulted. And uh, office space is now kind of seen the rounds. It's very, very interesting. Speaking as somebody who works from home, I can't imagine going into an office every day. And I think that a lot of people are figuring that out. And they're saying, so why am I going to the office? And, and companies are saying, so why are we paying for this office space? When in many, many cases, they're finding that the same work can be done just as effectively um, without having to have that additional expense of, of office space. So I, I don't know where the bottom is on the office space question like where where does it drop out and where uh at what point are they going to change that to something else if if people aren't going into offices then mm -hmm. uh, and i'm not sure what the answer is there if it i've heard about people talking about converting them to apartment spaces maybe that's i don't think as cost effective as you think it is uh and much more time yeah. consuming and everything else but maybe we'll see we'll yeah. see how that transitions yeah, last month we talked about some people, instead of converting office to residential, they're talking about converting to commercial space. And there's challenges with that. Like you don't have to put in bathrooms in every unit and replumb everything, but you need higher ceilings possibly, or, you yeah. know, flooring, floors that can handle more weight. Um, right. You might need to be able to back up trucks to, to it and get them in through a, an office complex, like challenges there, but yeah, people are definitely figuring it out. Yeah. Trying to figure it out. So we'll see. We'll see what that transitions into. Yep. Um, Antonio or, or um, he just put in the, the chat, somebody maybe uh, commented, big companies are threatening employees to come back into the office. Will it work or will they just find different jobs? I think people will call their bluff. I think I think they're going to, a lot of people may say, look, I'll just get another job. I want to continue to work from home. And the company will say, well, all right, you can work from home. <laughs> so that might be uh, one way that it, that it turns out. Uh, but why are they, yeah, why are they forcing, if people have started working at home and they're forcing them to come back, um, I hope they have a good reason for that. Yeah, well, they do say there's some efficiencies and, you know, being in close proximity in a room 
can be be more efficient than like we're all used to zoom now but there's still a disconnect you know and well there is uh that's why if when when people start working at home you have to know how to manage them you know how to you have to know how to make you know if you're paying based on results that's fine but if you have employees that are supposed to be doing a certain thing yeah it's easy for them to slough off if they're not being managed so they just need to be managed and and yeah some in in some companies it's it's better to have that you have that collaborative effort in person depending on the industry that's always mm -hmm. good it's always good but mm -hmm. if you have to drive a half hour or an hour to get to the office and then you know i find it just it's much more effective uh to work virtually for me personally and for a lot of people have found that way yeah but you just have to be productive you got to have you got to be disciplined and some some employees if they're not disciplined they can be encouraged to be disciplined but that that comes under being managed yep. Yeah, I've worked from home since 1992, I think. Yeah. I can't imagine going into an office. I've gone temporarily as a consultant. But. Right. Yeah. But again, we're seeing that coming out of COVID, especially the demand for property outside of larger city centers grew exponentially because mm -hmm. people figured out, well, I don't actually need to drive into town. And big companies are threatening and I agree. I think they're going to call the bluff and say, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, at some point there's something's going to give. And I think it's going to be the employees that win for the most part. Yeah. Well, I, I was, I was telling people about telecommuting 40 years ago when I was decided when I first moved from Hawaii to Colorado, though, one of the things I was looking for is these rural areas that have this growth potential. And the reason we talked about this earlier, but one of the reasons for that growth potential was telecommuting because people could actually work from home. And this was like, well, I guess it was like 30 years ago. Right. And it's still today. It's still a trend that that work from home and and telecommuting is is a trend. It's going to it's going to go up. It's not the other way around. Yeah. So especially with the way technology is going, and yeah, after everything that people learned after uh, COVID and all that, that's going to continue. There's so many benefits. You just, if you do it right, there's, it's, it's much better. Uh, but in some industries, you have to have that physical location. And I think a lot of companies are going to look at just based on numbers. Retention is a lot less expensive than hiring somebody new and training a new employee. So I think that's going to go a long way. And I, I think the employees have a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of wiggle room there where they can say, well, go ahead and hire somebody else. And, and you know, people are going to get smart and they're going to say, this is what it would cost you to hire somebody else. Or you could just pay me an extra 10 grand and I'll stay at home. Thanks. <laughs> a buddy of mine said uh, he, he's been able to work from home for quite a few years. They tried to get people to come back for a little bit, but they're, they backed off and now they're going hard again. They want people to come in at least one day a week. And they're going to have like chefs come in, bands, like they're going in hard trying to get people to come <laughs> incentivize them. But, you know, offices downtown Denver, it's like everybody. And I've talked to a lot of people that have that where they're coming in once a week or maybe twice a week uh, for like, you know, half a day. Um, but I think the days of nine to five for most companies, and again, depending, like you said, Richard, depending on the industry, I think for most industries, I think that's that's done, more or less. And that and 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 you see that 
in the office space, you know, in the office space now, uh, that's affected the demand for office space. And then we have these other uh, compounding effects with uh, rising inflation and rising interest rates and that stuff uh, mm -hmm. on the commercial space. But yeah, I think the demand for people working in an office when they could actually work from home uh, is going to go down and that, that the demand for that space is going to be decreased. Yeah. yeah. Sean, what do you think about all that? Well, you know, you talk about, um, so I work in law enforcement, so I have to go clock in every day. Wow. <laughs> so, but we do have administration um, uh, through our agency that's only coming in maybe once or twice a week. Um, and it's true, they're finding all type of incentive just to bring the guys, you know, to want to come back to the office, you know? So, but, um, and they try like three days a week and then they basically cut it down again to maybe two days a week. So, yeah, so I've seen a, a up and down in my agency with actually coming into the office. Interesting. I think it makes more sense for the company if they have a strategic plan around that. It, it makes it, take advantage of that. Reduce the, the time, the money, the expense, all of that. As long as you get the result, as long as you get the end result that you need from your uh, your team. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right, guys, uh, let's take a break for our next sponsor. It's me again, Antonio Holman, founder of United States Real Estate Investor and producer of This Month in Real Estate Investing. You know, one of the best ways to increase your company's brand awareness and increase warm leads is to create written content online. But as we know, content creation can be very time consuming and not very cost effective when having to pay professional copywriting fees. It's time to use REI Content Packs. REI Content Packs Done For You Content Packs give you the tools, flexibility, and cost-effective way to increase your brand's visibility and online presence without spending hours or even days stressing on what to create. REI Content Packs are a collection of high-quality, ready-made real estate blog articles exclusively created for the real estate investing industry. Can you imagine the possibilities if you could do two to three more deals per month without increasing your ad spend? REI Content Packs can help you do that. Can you imagine getting unlimited online traffic, increasing your Google ranking, getting more leads, and making more money? REI Content Packs can help you do that too. To get started increasing your brand's content and lessening your workload, head on over to thismonthinrealestateinvesting.com slash REI Content Packs. That's this month in real estate investing.com forward slash REI content packs. It's time to get off the online marketing hamster wheel. Try REI content packs today at this month in real estate investing.com slash REI content packs. Now back to James and this month in real estate investing. All right. So from Miami Herald, Citadel CEO Griffin, Ken Griffin, buys. $83 million office building, increasing investments in South Florida. So here we got a kind of a flip to whatever else is happening. Um, I know we've talked about him before, so I guess he moved from Chicago to Miami, which really um, helped confidence in that market because people look to him being uh, such a big heavyweight in the, in the real estate space. Uh, another thing it said um, South Florida's growth 
corporate expansions, favorable business environment, and warm climate continue to drive the demand for office space in the area. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a hot area. And there's a lot of money there. And if you got a lot of money, yeah, that's a good place to be. Uh, don't know how long that's going to continue or if it's going to change, but there's always going to be demand for that area. And there's a lot of money there now. Yeah. It's kind of an anomaly. Oh, go ahead, Sean. Uh, yeah. So going back, James, to um, like Richard said, there's a lot of money in that area. Mm -hmm. So where I'm at here in Southwest Georgia, there is a um, office complex next to one of my storages. And I wanted this complex so bad. And, uh, but the bank kept giving me a hard time on it. You know, just did not want to finance it for me. I think it's like, uh, 15, 20,000 square feet building. But as you guys were talking about being creative with these buildings, I will do the same thing. I was going to actually make half of it like a uh, part of the storage facility, like indoor climate control storages. Um, and I guess I just didn't have the <laughs> what I needed at the time for the bank to say yes, you know, but uh, basically uh, they did not want to touch it, you know, and here he is that got my facility for storages, built this thing up, you know, then uh, making, uh, I think it was that 90% capacity, I got it to a fill, and here's this office complex next to it, they say no. I just think location, I think location was, a, was the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah, I find this fascinating because this is exactly opposite of what we were just talking about before the break. Um, so it's, What's he seeing that I'm not seeing, and what does he know that I don't know? Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm curious what yeah. the rationale is there, and what the plan is, because he spent a lot of money on it, so he, he's got a plan. Yeah. Yep. Wonder wonder what his portfolio is like, personal, and then you know he runs this Citadel huge hedge fund. Right. Is 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 a risk he's willing and able to take well uh, it could be taxes i know uh for your personal residence there's a great if you want a multi-million dollar properties florida is a good way to go for your personal residence so i don't know what the tax benefits are uh for him to sh uh, go down in there so there might be so when you when you take a look at what people are doing it's like why did they do that you also you don't always have the the full picture mm -hmm. um my buddy just bought you know, we recently bought a $4 million office building, but one of the reasons he bought it was he got a, a $1.5 million tax break and he makes about a half a million dollars a month. So it was, it, it was important to him in his situation. So mm -hmm. this guy, this guy running a hedge fund, you know, you don't know what some of the motivations might be sometimes. Yeah. So maybe it's that kind of a strategy. I'd be curious have a, a chat with him one day and just say, so it's a lot of money, man. What are you doing? <laughs> well, it's also a great, there's a lot, again, there's a lot of uh, rich people there. There's a lot of partying. There's a lot of weather. There's a lot of cool stuff in South Florida. Right. Yeah. And it's like, if you're going to be anywhere, where do you want to go? That's what I try and tell people think about all the time is if you could live anywhere, where would you want to live and come up with that answer and figure that out because you should live wherever you want. Yeah. Yep. Well, maybe we'll get uh, Ken Griffin on the show here <laughs> next month. Yeah. Antonio, we have a spot. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, from Benzinga, rising construction may ease housing price pressures, economists say. Um, I guess there's a lot of increased construction activity in multifamily housing. Uh, we see that here in Denver. I mean, it's a city of cranes. <laughs> I thought it was going to slow down, but it doesn't seem to be. Well, what are you guys seeing? I've, I've seen that a lot of those new developments are really expensive. So it's, they're not like creating affordable housing. I think the, the trend is affordable housing and, and that might ease up on some of the supply, help with some the supply. Um, but what they really need to do is create some affordable housing communities, really nice places to live, have some, some shared stuff and, but make it more affordable. I think that's that's what's going to be needed in the future. And there's a lot of benefits to that. People are being more conservative. They don't have to have their McMansion anymore, per se, depending on you know where they are in their life. Um, so yeah, I think uh, the trend will be being more conservative. It's actually a long-term trend. It's like a 60-year cycle, and it started a number of years ago. But people are being more conservative. So consumerism is actually dying and more conservatism is growing. And those are long-term trends that have budding, been butting heads against each other, affecting the real estate markets and everything else. Uh, but people's values for the past, I don't know, 10 years, when you have them, but you know, one's going down, one's going up, you have this period of conflict where, and that's what we're seeing in politics and stuff like that. People are being divided, you know, and I, that's part of that socioeconomic cycle that we're going through. And it's not over. And maybe the next year or two, maybe it's, it's going to get a little more crazy. But it's crazy right now as far as people being divided. It's kind of nuts. I, I think the key in that article is there the, a lot of the construction is in multifamily. And, yep. um, and it you know, may not be exactly affordable housing housing but perhaps more affordable than a single family dwelling right true and so a, a lot of people i think are gravitating toward that just because price matters um and you know again i've got my own house and that would be for me that would be a difficult transition uh, into some place where i don't have a yard where i don't have the space that i like and things like that um but for a lot of people i think that's just they've decided that's it's worth it and they're willing to maybe downsize in order to save some money or get into yeah. a house at all. Yeah. It is part of that, uh, but baby boomer trend of people downsizing. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. There's always going to be that. Right. But yeah, economically sometimes yeah. are forced into that. So yeah, th that article was kind of showing that it was multifamily was seeing a spike, but then single family was declining or that's what they were seeing. It was, starting to do so as far yeah. as uh start housing starts housing starts yeah 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 mm -hmm. yeah sean in the in the uh, storage space are you finding an increase in business because people are downsizing and storing their stuff is that something that oh absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep absolutely um again I, I purchased my third facility back in in april but uh, that facility I purchased, I mean, it just went up like 30% when I took mm -hmm. over. And so mm -hmm. many uh, 
families were basically saying that, you know, they were just downsizing and uh, moving in together with other people. So uh, it was a plus for me. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like I like storage facilities and mobile home parks. I think those are those are, those are good things to own. Yeah. Whether yes, doesn't matter what market we're in, right? Mm -hmm. Especially self storage, it just <laughs> seems to <laughs> weather those shifts. But it's unbelievable there... how how many going up though, especially here in Southwest Georgia. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you can't turn the corner, you see a sign, you know, uh, Jack's self storage coming soon. You know, and then I'm, I'm sitting here like wondering, oh my God, are they going to affect me? You know, but uh, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing, you know, providing good services. And so far, you know, I've been very steady with my, my numbers and um, going up uh, over the summer. So I, I'm, I'm in a happy place. How, so, how did you, how did you find those deals? Did you, did you go, were they on the market or did you go out and approach sellers? Well, that's why I said your strategy um, is, uh, ring a bell with me i like your strategy because everything you said i i, I blueprint i followed that everything i went to a bank one time you know so uh i had uh at one time residential uh 25 30 doors and not one time did i go to a bank i all did the seller financing uh just knocked on the door i called it driving for dollars of course and um but for the storage facility uh I had five duplexes and next to the duplexes were a, um, a storage facility and just abandoned, <laughs> you know, so I found out who it belongs to, found that person and uh, went and talked with them. It took them six months uh, until I got a yes. They kept saying no, 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 no. It took them six months, Richard, and they finally uh, agreed to it. Um, and it was an amazing thing and I, and I, I basically after that um i think a year later i went for another one <laughs> so and um here i am to a third one and going to sign for a fourth one uh this fall hmm. well why why was it abandoned do you, you know the whole backstory i i think that it's just like the mobile home parks that you're talking about is that you have the same individual that owned this park or owned this facility for X amount of years, decades, maybe inherited from grandmother or, or grandfather. Mm -hmm. And so they're getting old and nine out of 10, their children don't want it. Right. And, you know, and, they, they, and you can tell that they're not putting money into it. So mm -hmm. it's almost like a relief. One lady told me it was a relief that I she got rid of that. She said she thanked me for buying it, <laughs> you know. And so um, here is me, an energetic guy that want to go in and uh, make some money. And I, you know, I said, look, I don't want to go to a bank. That's you and I work something out, and you be my bank. And that's you know, and and they're like, okay, you know, they agreed to it, and here I am again going on a fourth facility doing the same thing. Well, that's that's my favorite market is retiring landlords. So if you have someone with a, a, a facility like that, they're a landlord, right? They're managing the property and these people are done. So, yeah, you can get a very specific list in the zip codes that you want to own in. And I actually use ChatGTP to uh, create a free special report for self-storage owners. And I created a, 
a cool postcard I can share with you, which is basically uh, getting just any, we're targeting self-storage owners and we're saying, look, there's a lot of reasons to, to own, there's a great reasons to own a self-storage, but there's a, you might be done. If you're done, give me a call, you know, and that's all it says. And we just want people that are done or ready to talk and avoid the, the hassles because in self-storage, just like other types of commercial, they, when they're done, if they've owned it for a while, because we would target people that have owned it for 10 years or more, right? They, they don't want to put in these, the new fangled security locks and lights no. and the gates. No. Yeah. No. yeah. No. They don't want that. They, they don't want to do any type of <laughs> at all. You know, <laughs> that's right. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> and then you immediately increase the income on the property that immediately increases the value. Right. And I was able to go into each one and do that. Yeah. Great. Each one. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, let's keep it moving from insider. Uh, people are calling out house flippers who took a $260,000 New York home and are now selling it for $1.2 million. HGTV absolutely ruined people's brains, says. <laughs> so, uh, any thoughts on, on that? Sean? I had two. Go Number one, they're jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, the other piece of the information that we don't have in that article is how much money did they spend on renovations? Exactly. exactly. It, it, you look at those beginning and end numbers and it looks like an unreal deal. Yeah. Uh, but I can tell you from experience, there's a lot that goes into that. A yeah. lot. They so did take it from two bed, two bath to three yeah. bed, three bath. Yeah. So obviously that was a, a major renovation. Yeah. 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 And then they're just jealous. They're yeah. I mean, because yeah, you have no idea how much they spent because they bought the property for that price, right? Yeah. What was the price? 200 and, uh, 260,000. You don't know how much they spent on the reservation, uh, the right. renovation, and you don't know what problems that they were solving for the seller where the seller was happy to get it, sell it as is for that price. <laughs> so they don't have the whole picture. And if, if, as long as they can sell it, if there's a market for it for uh, 1.2 million and they didn't take advantage of the seller, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who knows what they got into when they opened up walls with an old house, you know, and what their holding costs were. Like, that's the other big thing people don't understand. Like, you got loans, high interest loans. If that goes on yeah. months and months for a major rehab. Yep. Yeah. And if there's other houses in the neighborhood that can support that kind of a price, then yeah. I don't see anything wrong with that. That's just, it is what it is. Yeah. It is the market. You can be angry at the situation, but okay. <laughs> yeah. You can't force a buyer to buy something they don't want to no. throw down money on. Yeah. I have to tell sellers that in this market, right? Like they're, yeah. they think it's worth this. Like, well, things have come down. People aren't going to pay you what you want. I can't force them to grab a pen and sign. <laughs> like that's, right. that's not how it works. So they can sell or finance it, create a note, and then sell it to me. I'll take care of it. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, oh, another thing about that article is is they're selling it for 1.2. That's what it's. they're asking. They haven't even yes. sold it yet. This is true. Yeah, yeah good point, yeah. too. Yeah. 
Yeah, Sean. Sean, you're going to say something? Nope. No, no. All right. Okay, let's jump into our final news item, our fun news item uh, from CNBC. The number one way to grow your wealth, according to a self-made millionaire, it's deceptively simple, he says. Um, guy's name's Ramit Sethi. I don't know if I'm saying that. Um, he's the author of I Will Teach You to Be Rich and a host of a new Netflix, Netflix show called How to Get Rich. Um, he said, start investing and gradually increase the amount, number one. Two, push for the salary you deserve if you have a W-2 job and pursue a side hustle, number three. Um, and then he, there was also another little video um, online that he went over toxic money beliefs. Um, one, not talking about money like family and friends, not questioning beliefs you learn growing up. And number three, thinking investing is only for rich people. Any thoughts about that, guys? Well, it's funny. Richard said earlier when we were uh, first came on about you almost got to have a side hustle. <laughs> you know, um, real estate has been very you know, good to me, uh, lucrative with my storages. Um, but if I, not, if I did not have <laughs> real estate investing on the side, uh, oh, my God, it, it'd probably be tough. You know, it really would. And it, oh, he, well, there's two, there's two things. There's, there's investing your money invest. Okay. So I'm not a real estate investor. I'm a real estate entrepreneur because I don't get a return on my money. I get a return on my marketing dollars spent. Right. But I'm not investing my money in a real estate to get an, a return on investment. So that article they're talking about, you need to put your, take some of the money you're making in your job and invest it over time. And that is absolute great advice. In fact, I've, I've taught people for many years. Uh, if you, if you just take 5% of every big check that you get, because I'm talking to real estate investors that get big checks, but even a $3,000 check, any check you get, take 5%, put it in savings, never touch it, just invest it or leave, you know, just don't ever spend it. And if you do that with all the income that comes in, and you just put 5% and you have 95% left to spend or do whatever you want with and pay your bills. That's going to give you that financial freedom over time. Right now in that article, he also said uh, investing in the stock market. Uh, I would say I'd be careful about that. I would be uh, looking if you are going to invest some of your money, it would be nice to have it in uh, something physical like uh, precious metals or that you own that you have or real estate. Okay. Now, stock market is great, uh, but it's paper. You know, it's paper assets. It's not hard assets. That's why I like real estate. Uh, but yeah, and then over time, it says uh, get a get a, a a raise on your job or get a side hustle. The side hustle. So the side hustle should be real estate entrepreneurship. That should be your side hustle or notes buying and selling notes because. Yeah. Because now, Nathan, you buy and sell or you do the note business, but you're not investing your but are you're using other people's money to buy the notes or are you investing your money in notes? How does your business work? I, it's mainly investor money. I put together yeah. a fund and so people invest in the fund and then I'm building up my own portfolio at the same time. So you're, you're making money running that. Right. Yeah. You're making profits as a business owner. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
as opposed to investing, which is actually getting a return on your money. And yeah. Yeah. It, and that's, it's an important distinction because, because yes, I run a business. So I run a note business. Uh, and then besides that, I'm also a note investor. For, there you go. That's another good place. That's another good place to invest money would be in notes for sure. Secured by real estate. Exactly. Secured notes, real on, secured by something you're willing to take back if they stop paying. Exactly. That you'd actually be happy about. Yeah, we call them happy, happy loans. Happy if they pay, happy if they don't pay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a couple other notes. I guess uh, Ramit, the, the host of that show, he said um, he hates the idea of buying a home. Says it's a waste of money, cheaper to rent. Um, says the overall costs of having a home is much more than renting. Um, what do you guys think about that? I haven't run the numbers, but I would tend to disagree, but I don't know. I haven't actually run the numbers, so I don't know. It, it would depend on the location. Uh, but the, the, like in rich dad, poor dad, right? Robert Kiyosaki's famous book, rich dad, poor dad, uh, he teaches that your home is not an investment. It's a liability. You have to pay property taxes. You got to pay insurance. You're not getting any income from it, right? Yep. So it's that technically your personal residence is not an investment. It's more of a liability. Yeah, right. Unless you leverage it, right? And it's not factoring in loan pay down. The fact that your loan amount is not going up like rent does every month, right. you're not able to write off, you know, on your taxes. So those are big things that get kind of left out of that amount that you're paying per month for rent, right? So I I disagree wholeheartedly. Um, oh, oh, are you saying your home that you live in is an investment? I would say you there's there's the no, it's not necessarily an investment, <laughs> but you can leverage that. You know, sure. if if you are smart about taking money out of that, you know, maybe not paying it off like the thinking was in the past, and then turning that into other rentals because you're able to borrow against that. Then I would call it. Yeah, well, you're building equity way. in the home. You have equity in your home, and now you're investing that in income property. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, you can borrow against it, but yeah, you can. There's nothing wrong with borrowing money as long as there's a return on that debt. Right. What everybody needs to do is get rid of their consumer consumer debt, all of their consumer debt. That's what. That's the best investment you can make is take that extra money, pay off all your consumer debt, and any debt that you do have has a return that it pays. Like you said, you borrow against equity in your house, you buy some rental properties, or get into some rental properties that the property is paying that debt off. And that's, yep. that's smart. That's the way to do it. Yep. Yeah. Mm. All right, guys, that's, that's our show for the month. Uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Jason Palliser's two day investment blueprint and REI content packs. Again, thanks to our guests. Uh, go ahead and let people know how they can connect with you and um, we'll go from there. Well, by the way, Jason is a great guy. He's a super marketer, and I think it's all about finding deals. His two-day blueprint is all about like 40 different ways to find deals. So I, that, he's a great guy. I had him speak at my marketing boot camp a couple years ago, in the, right near where he lives down in Florida. Um, 
So I'm Richard Roop. I'm at uh, ProfitPro.ai. I'm the founder of the Aim High Society, and basically, it's a it's a little mastermind of of uh, real estate investors and information marketers, and but any type of business where they want to use AI strategies and tools to um, uh, you know uh, save time and leverage themselves and make more money in their business. So kind of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial group. Fantastic. Nathan, want to go next? Uh, yeah, Nathan Turner. So uh, email me, email me, Nathan at earnestinvesting.com. Uh, so I run my fund. That's my fund, Earnest Investing. And then Diversified Mortgage Expo is a note conference I put on every year. We just held it at the beginning of June. So the next one's not until next June. But uh, we'd love to have you there. Everything notes. If you're brand new, if you're seasoned, uh, we take everybody and, and uh, just talk about notes for a few days there down in Nashville. Cool. All right, Sean. Oh, Sean Honer. Um, I can be contacted through LinkedIn, uh, Sean Honer. Um, Facebook, Sugar Bear Storage. Um, or my email address is sean.honer at yahoo.com. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. Um, again, you know, I work with investors and if you've got any questions or want to dive in, go to hybridinvestor.vip. Um, also, thanks to our producer, Antonio Holman, working in the background. He's with United States Real Estate Investor. Um, follow and subscribe to This Month in Real Estate Investing on YouTube at youtube.com slash at United States REI or your favorite podcast app. Uh, and if you run across interesting news, events, good guests, um, any ideas, feel free to share by emailing Antonio at Antonio at United States Real Estate Investor dot com. And remember, when one door closes, another door opens to financial freedom. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.